0: It's not actually an easy job. It sounds great to work around surfing and be in the water with the kids and stuff. It's actually really not easy. There are so many challenges, but so many kids have come through the program. And that really is, um, that lights all of us up who, who work for surfers, not street children.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Hetty Holmes, and you're listening to Hacking Happiness with Dose the podcast that explores what makes us feel good to get those happy hormones firing. Now there's no denying that doing good feels good and this is no doubt the case for my next guest, Tom Hewitt, founder of Surfers Not Street Children, a committed campaigner who has worked in the field with street children in Africa for over 27 years. He is well known for his model of fusing surfing with mentorship to empower street children in Durban. In this podcast, we talk about his career journey to creating Surfers Not Street Children which counts everyone from Kelly Slater to Prince Harry, Pope Francis to the Queen who awarded him an MBE amongst his supporters, the satisfaction he gets from empowering these children to become independent and self-sufficient and the therapeutic benefits of surfing in aiding stress and anxiety. As ever, we are so thankful to our listeners for tuning in each week. To help us to keep going, we would love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. Also, please share our newsletter to your friends and family or anyone who you think needs a hit of happiness in their inbox. I hope you enjoy. So let's get back to Surfers Not Street Children because you, you, through this organization, you've um, been given an MBE by the Queen and you've met the Pope and and all sorts of amazing (laughs) stuff. But I'm just really interested to hear like how your career journey all kind of started. Because I know you you grew up in the UK, didn't you? But then you moved over to South Africa.
0: Yeah, I went out to South Africa when I was 18 Mm. uh, as a volunteer in the anti-apartheid movement. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd been surfing as a kid. So like the, the idea of going to South Africa... I was—I really understood because my father had been into social justice issues. I really understood um, sort of the horrors of of the apartheid regime, mm. and so I was kind of like a so slightly naive eighteen-year-old that just wanted to somehow get involved. Um, and uh, I went out in in um, 1990 and uh, got involved in in volunteering. I also went out to um the to Mozambique during the civil war wow. so i went to, from south africa up into mozambique and did a bit of volunteering there as well
2: amazing
0: um so yeah it was that, that's how i ended up in south africa and of course the idea of going to south africa cuz i knew there was waves there yeah um I also kind of thought, oh, that's cool. I could be, get involved, but I can also surf as well.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, do you, uh, talk to me about the process of like working with the kids as well, because you've got a whole team involved, haven't you? Like from social workers and counsellors to kind of give these kids a support network um, as well as the surfing.
0: It's not a one-person show. Uh, yeah. It's uh, We have a, a team of uh, all sorts of different trained professionals. So from social workers and childcare workers, on the one hand, to surf coaches, and we've got a water safety team of qualified lifeguards. Uh, so we, we've got a whole mishmash to ensure both safety, but also that the psychosocial care of the kids is, is paramount. Our model is pretty simple mm. we fuse surfing with mentorship and care. Yeah. So, um, you know, some of the kids just need an, a little bit of mentorship and it's kind of a diversion program for them. Other kids are really traumatized from street life. And really need um, therapeutic uh, care and counseling, and so we're able to offer the range of that, uh, but we fuse it to to surfing
1: that 's amazing and so do you do you get quite involved with these kids like do you you must uh, you must get quite close to them like do you find it quite hard when you know some of them fall off the rails again and like get involved in gangs and stuff
0: yeah, I mean we don't have a hundred percent success rate that's yeah. for sure um, we have a good success rate, but it is obviously sad if kids um don't you know end up not making it mm. um because you know life in south africa if you're living in the streets is really tough so not making it can mean basically death or addiction or mm. you know abuse or or jail um so yeah the um you know the consequences of not making it are really tough and you don't really want any kid to have to go through that yeah. um But, you know, getting a kid off the streets, if they've been living on the streets is really a process. And so some kids are in that process for, you know, anything from a quick intervention, you know, if a kid got, you know, let's say, left at the beach on a big trip from inland, and then they suddenly found themselves on the streets. That's something we could solve in a a day or two. But if a kid's been in the streets, because of something that's happened at home, and they've already lived on the streets for some time, you know, we could work with that kid for five years before we feel that they're fully out of street life or they're Mm -hmm. they're not street connected anymore so it's a really long term uh although there are a few short-term successes it's a really long-term game really and uh and so some of the kids have been in our program um for over 10 years yeah uh, because at the end of the day as we transition them out of street life they then need the mentorship and we keep mentoring them actually through into their 20s when they're employed you know the, the, the end goal is for them to be independent and self-sustainable and you know just like any young person would they need encouragement they may be in their first job and they need someone to talk to and so we try and play that um that role that a parent might play um and so yeah, we got many kids in there although we're kind of you know up to 21 mostly and and predominantly under 18 Mm. um we've got kids in there you know even up as, as old as 27 28 who are still kind of uh, come for advice and inspire the other kids so uh,
1: yeah that's so nice and and you set them up for jobs in places like as baristas don't you in in restaurants and and cafes and things like that and the surfing is just like the therapeutic part to kind of help them work through their problems is that right
0: yeah exactly I mean you know when the kids come in obviously we we want to transition them back into education Mm. Um, we want to skill them up but we learned kind of over the years that skilling kids up if there's no job at the end of it is is soul destroying for them um because there's an assumption when you're learning a skill that you'll be able to do that and that's your way through life Mm. and if you're just putting them at the bottom of the pile with kids who have that skill and have a school leavers certificate because maybe the kid on the streets has missed out on seven or eight years of school so they're never going to get that final leavers certificate so what we try and do is is develop our relationships with the local community so that we have um placements for them like internships Mm -hmm. so there's a job guaranteed at the end of it assuming that they're that the fit is good Mm -hmm. so um so yeah we've had kids go to go on to do all sorts of things from surf coaches to working in surf shops lifeguards has been a big one but outside of the kind of ocean um realm we've really found that the coffee baristas Mm -hmm. Uh, program has been successful there's kind of a kind of a pride in being a good coffee barista mm. and some of those have gone on to like work in the restaurant industry um, so yeah that's that's been a good avenue for us look it kind of depends on what contacts we have mm. so um, but it just so happens that the barista um, thing has, has has really worked out
1: yeah amazing and so talk to me about being awarded an MBE by the queen like how did that all come about was that for your work in South Africa at the time
0: yeah, that, I, I got that in 2011. Yeah. And um, look, you know, there's there's a lot of people in our team who are doing great work. So yeah. on the one level, you you take it with a slight pinch of salt, and it's kind of everyone's hard work has has you know has been responsible for the successes we've had, and and there have been many challenges along the way at the same time. Yeah. But on the plus side, you know what it does do, and and why I'm grateful for the MBE is that it really does open doors, mm. and so it's enabled us to to take our work and and to partner with people in areas that we may not have uh, been exposed to so there is there's real value in it and i'm very grateful for it yeah. but at the same time yeah it's a team effort and uh, and you know, i've got an incredible team of of uh, local south africans um sandile who runs the program in uh, in south africa is just such a character and a real hero in south african surfing and and the um and and slindile who's our social worker yeah. she's just absolutely fantastic so they're really you know i won't say they're unsung heroes because we promote them a lot of uh, the, the cool stuff they're doing uh in our social media and stuff but you know i'm just fortunate to be in part of a really cool team mm. but a good thing what has also uh, transpired through things like the MBE is that um, it's sort of put us on the map so we've had visits from quite high profile Um, visitors such as uh, Prince Harry for example he's uh, you know come out to see our work and he's also invited you know when we've brought some of the kids over who've uh, who are adults now um, to talk about um, you know their lives and the program and to surf over here in the UK he's kind of invited them to Kensington Palace and, uh, and then of course the the story with the Pope was was kind of bizarre um especially given that we're not a religious charity yeah. um but um we did an edit with Kelly Slater who's been a big supporter of ours and continues to be um and uh he's a real encouragement to the kids they they Yeah, he's uh, like a hero it, isn't when he? he comes to, yeah, when yeah. he comes to Jay Bay and he we did an edit with him it was a very generous edit actually he gave us a lot of time in his edit mm. and um you know I got a call from someone in Argentina who'd seen the edit um and said oh we've got an organization we'd like to partner with you is there any new project you're planning i said wow yeah we're like moving into mozambique at the moment so um, we're looking for partners and after a while it dawned on me that it was the organization that the pope had set up wow. um before he was pope yeah and um i knew that he had a really good track record on social justice issues and was very different to previous popes yeah. and um, but what was quite funny was that uh as we started i assumed that he wasn't very involved and then i got a call to come and to come to rome and brief the holy father (laughs) on the project which was really really fun and he's such a cool guy
1: yeah
0: um yeah who knew that he'd be so pumped on surfing
1: yeah exactly uh, just from seeing that clip (laughs) he got that interest so i mean you know he does come across as very like modern doesn't he in his approach
0: yeah he's really cool he's really cool and and you know uh we we do what we do and and they partner with us and they're they, we have sort of a 50-50 partnership um on the Mozambique project so their his organization which is called Scolas Ocorrentes, mm-hmm. um, has just become a really great ally of ours and he actually uh came to Mozambique and um was we did a an event with him in Maputo which was really fun we took a group of kids down to that and and he yeah it was it was really fun for them
1: that's awesome so think about relationships then so obviously you're, you're super bonded with these kids and with your team but like how does your family fit into the frame because you've got kids of your own I imagine and, and a wife like do they do they kind of support you with like traveling abroad a lot and, and how does it all fit
0: yeah, I mean, obviously, my kids grew up in Durban. Right. So, um, and they grew up at the project. Yeah. I mean, literally every day they'd be at the project um, and they'd go to school and they'd come back. I mean, we didn't live at the project, but they kind of you know, grew up around street children. And on the one hand, it was a really fantastic time for them, um, you know, up until the end, age of sort of 10, uh, 11. Uh, but it's also quite hard because, you know, it, it did expose them a bit to street life and, um, you know, kids that were in the program. I mean they, they had kids that they used to you know be friends with and play with that died of drug overdoses you know in the streets and mm-hmm. there was some quite challenging times for kids and at one time you know they were playing outside the the shelter and one of my kids a, a guy who was high just came by and just kind of smacked my kid in the face oh, gosh. um so uh, moving to the UK was was not really strategic for that it was that. um my wife's getting her UK citizenship. So uh, she needed to live here for five years. Um, But it was kind of cool. We realized that actually, you know, giving them a bit of like Devon life, which is like totally different from Durban. Mm. was pretty cool for my kids because it was like a cultural exchange. And it also showed them that although it's great for them to know how harsh it is for life for some people in South Africa, that that isn't, you know, in a sense there are other aspects there are other ways that people are growing up. So they're very attuned to um, sort of the suffering of people. Mm. Um, but at the same time now, they're also able to counterbalance that and having quite a safe environment And, um, and for the ages that they're at now. That's, that's pretty cool. But, you know, there is quite a bit of travel involved for me mm. um, when we're not in COVID times. And, um, you know, the, the, the trade-off is that when I'm in the uk with the family then i'm i, I can really just work between school hours yeah. so kind of i'll overwork when i'm in south africa and mozambique mm. um and uh, and and then be very much around during that time so yeah they're very supportive my wife um i met her through um street children work okay. she was Um, also involved with that and actually had been a street child when she was younger so she was helping out at projects um, as an adult and that's how we we met so to be honest she's been you know uh, really important part of my work because I can have ideas and and she's she's actually lived it so she can sort of explain to me why that may or may not work and and give me the reality check so that's been pretty cool
1: yeah I bet your Um, kids are so well-rounded as a result of their experiences as well I bet they're very like balanced out human
0: beings well they, quite yeah they are actually mm-hmm. um it has actually had um good impact they have quite a sort of global outlook um and and actually they're quite good like when sort of the pressures that f- kids face come up um they have a sometimes a slightly different way of dealing w- with it than than other kids in in devon mm-hmm. you know the, the 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 shine on on things that are sort of maybe exciting for kids like drugs or something that yeah. for our kids they're like okay well we know people who've died of this so yeah. you know it's not that we're not that excited by it so they actually sometimes have quite a good uh, impact on the kids around them who would have definitely had more sheltered lives yeah
1: yeah and what about like the difference in the communities in terms of surfing because obviously you're a lifelong surfer yourself and how how does the surfing here and compare to south africa like do you, do you have like very tight groups of people that yeah. you surf with
0: yeah, I really like the crew here. Uh, I've got to know them over the years. And there's some really cool people in... Uh, I, I surf mostly Croyd and, yeah. and Um, You know, uh, I don't really surf Saunton much because it's a longboarding wave and I don't longboard. But, yeah. um, so I'm mostly at Croyd. I, I, I think it's a great crew and I, I love the vibe here. I also think the waves are... When Croyd is on, it's world class. I mean, it's as good as... I mean, I've surfed all around the world and um, Croyd is as good as anywhere. I think also England has um, as good waves as many places around the world. It's just colder and kind of grayer. You yeah. know, doesn't always look idyllic. But actually, if you if you look at it just for the waves themselves, and also people forget that other places. Okay, Durban's a bit special because it has real consistency. Mm. Um, you know, a place like California, they also have you know intermittent surf. You know, they have long flat spells or you know seasons when it's not so good. So I think that sometimes. England has a negative look at its own surf, like it assumes that everywhere else is much better.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: everywhere else is just much sunnier. Exactly. <laughs> difference. It's that,
1: like the grass is always greener feeling, isn't it? But we were looking to uh, maybe go and live in LA at one point because of Bertie's work, and we were just walking yeah. the beaches in like Venice and Santa Monica, and we were just like, it just felt so, like you're in a city, but there's a beach there, you know, didn't, mm. like, whereas when you're here, it's like you've, you've got the countryside all around you, the air is so clean, yeah. and yes. it's Well, place.
0: Durban's a bit like the Venice feel. Um, yeah. You know, I, I do feel funnily enough, I was saying to my brother recently, uh, who lives in Broughton as well. Mm. Um, I kind of feel that m- most of my life is, I kind of live between South Africa and here. And Durban's, I'm sort of synonymous with Durban. Uh, as, so people would think of me more as Durban than here. And Durban's home, definitely. But I do feel that um, strangely, uh, I feel because I have been away from the UK for so long, coming back and, and having some surf and you know tasting surf at Croyd again, I do kind of feel that i 've got this kind of little getaway escape that 's totally off the surfing radar. Um, you know normally, people would run to sort of tropical places for that, but I kind of like the fact that it 's so laid back here and you can be in the mix you know and, and I have to travel a lot to the u s and you can be in sort of the name brand mixes mm-hmm. and that 's super fun, but then you can actually get away from it all and you know be in a place like Croyd, which is which the waves are just as fun. You just don't have that whole, you know, circus around it. And, and exactly, it's pretty cool. It's like I was saying to my brother. It's kind of feel like I've got this sort of secret life where I, you know, retreat from the stuff that I do, and I'm in this kind of zone, which is sort of really fun and surfy. Yeah.
1: So for <laughs> someone like Will, like an up and coming surfer, like to be practicing someone like Croy is, is really good for him for his career cause it's- Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, for Will, he's so good. But, um, and Croyd is really good for that. Yeah. But he also needs to be surfing with people who are better than him. Because yeah. there isn't anyone better than him, I'd argue, yeah. in, anywhere near. Uh, he is like the best. And he's of such a high level, in my opinion, mm. um, that, uh, that I think he, he needs to be surfing with people who push him and challenge him. Yeah. And so um, next year when he goes to South Africa uh as it was when he was in south africa this time mm. i think you know he just automatically improves he's also turns heads i mean people were amazed at his level of surfing yeah when he was in south africa no i so. heard like
1: some of the greats like even kelly slater have mentioned like that he's he's amazing like up and up and coming stuff. yeah well
0: uh, that was he was surfing with kelly slater uh, super tubes the one time and actually it was uh uh i think it was strider strider waslewski mm. who was who said oh that, that kid rips you know he's like um was pretty amazed and uh and yeah and and, uh yeah he got to hang out with with kelly slater as well which was really cool so uh, yeah he's surfing with some good people and i watched that session when he was at supers and um he's out there with like people like uh stephanie gilmore and and Mm -hmm. kelly and and gabriel medina And he was really holding his own, you know, uh, people, whenever he took off, everyone looked at him because nobody knew who he was Yeah. and he was, he was shredding. So I just said to him, man, you've got to, You've got a talent, so uh, you can really take this somewhere.
1: Yeah, no, I'm excited to see where he goes next year for sure. And um, talking about yeah. like the therapeutic benefits of surfing, like obviously you're a you're a lifelong surfer yourself, you you know what it does to your mental health. But like just for people who may not be aware, like what are some of the things that they can experience through surfing? Like, is it a kind of form of meditation?
0: Yeah, look, surfing is intrinsically therapeutic in and mm. of itself. Um, so, I mean. In, in it's so many different ways i mean you're you're in nature you know there's something about actually the the feeling of riding that wave the, the being in tune um there's certainly uh something adrenaline fueled mixed up in it all as well so it is um you know we always say that surfing is you know fits our model but it, it's not the model it fits the model mm. but does fit it really well you could put other sports or pastimes you could sub those in place of surfing, but for some reason, surfing is—I think its own therapeutic value is really high. The other thing about surfing is that it is—you um, can surf with people, and that's super fun, and we, our teams are like that. But it is about self mastery,
2: yeah,
0: and um, and so it, you know there there are a lot of metaphors for life um, wrapped up in it. But it's also, you just, there's something about surfing that you just want to keep on getting better and improving. Mm. You enjoy the moment, but you always want to get to the next thing. So it kind of captivates you. Um, and actually, um, the first time, because I used to just surf and then do this um, street kids work simultaneously. Mm. And the one time I was surfing at a place called the New Pier. And one of the kids was, uh, came up along the pier. And in Durban, the piers are quite low. So you can talk to people while you're sitting out the back. And he says, oh, I want to go surfing. I knew he could swim, and it was like a small day. So I said, okay, jump off the pier, and I put the leg rope around him. Mm. When I pushed him into the wave, I couldn't see him because he was lying down, but he went all the way to the beach, and I could just hear him screaming with joy. <laughs> and it was kind of like a light bulb moment where I realized that, you know, this this surfing has given me so much stoke um, that it's almost like a no-brainer that this may, may be something we can utilize in the models. Mm. Um, so it definitely, it, it, it definitely fits the model's well. Um and and that's because of its therapeutic value. I i in my own life I think that um kind of if I don't do something in the ocean every day, um, it, it keeps me sane, it de-stresses me. Um it keeps me sort of excited about life. Mm. Um so whether it, you know, even if it's flat I'll go out on paddleboard or um but you know, yeah, surfing definitely is something I couldn't just uh I couldn't just put down. I'm always amazed at people who say, oh, you know I've moved somewhere else. I said, What about surfing? He said, oh yeah, yeah, do it every now and again. It's like doesn't compute how no, do
1: you know like you have to Earth, go in every you know? day for your mental yeah, health. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it something like when you're particularly stressed or you know you had a really bad day? Will it will it really help? Like if you just jump in the ocean and
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah I think it really helps to de-stress you. Um, but it sometimes does stress you as well, mm. because like when the waves are bad. You go in, I go in there quite expectant that that that, that sort of this release is going to come mm. and um, and I need it and I go in there hungry for it. So I'm actually kind of loading the session with expectations, which can sometimes not be fulfilled. Yeah. Like if you go out on the surf's really bad, then I actually get pretty, I get stressed when, when I'm not getting that thing that I want out of it. You know, I'm, I really hang so much on that, that um, sometimes so you've got to watch yourself a little bit, you know and and always like maybe have low expectations and then you can kind of be stoked when it's like oh it's actually better than i thought yeah yeah, yeah. but if you go out there kind of and this often happens actually when it looks like it's cooking and you like you you, it's so good it's so good in your mind you've heightened these expectations Mm. because there's something you're going to get out of that um and uh and if you don't get that then you can get kind of stressed.
1: Yeah, it's all about like the dopamine response, isn't it? Because I think that the more you hype stuff up in your mind, like the 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 kind of the bigger the fall almost. But if you kind of yeah. don't know the low expectation, then naturally you kind of like minimise that injury because yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting.
0: And I've also worked out that you know it, it all depends on what craft you're on as well. Yeah. Because if I was at Croydon and I'm going to ride a shortboard. I love shortboarding. That's mm. that's my primary love. If I ride shortboard every day you know most days i'm going to be irritated because mm. it's not always good when it's on for shortboarding it's fantastic so i i take a sup out and and you know on the days where i know i'm not going to get the stoke from a from a surfboard i take the sup out and i ride it i've even been r- riding it people would have seen this at Crowd, i've been riding a, an inflatable sup in in surf yeah. and i've had so much fun because it's like you know you have to go out with low expectations then because yeah. you're not on a craft that, is, that demands much. And i found that that's a good way to, uh, to, to, to you know, keep really stoked, you know.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And do you find that it really helps people to open up about their feelings as well? Like, particularly with what you're doing with Surfers Not Street Kids. But like, you know, making people talk about their mental health. Like after they've been in the water and they've loosened up and they've kind of like, I don't know, got in, got in touch with their feelings a little bit. Do you find it like it, it opens them up in terms of talking about... More tricky issues
0: that's a tr- that's a tricky question I don't know I, I do know that um, that I, I am really stoked that um, people are starting to talk more about mental health I think women have talked more about it for a while mm. uh, I think men haven't and I think there is a um, there is a, a change in that now it is becoming acceptable to because almost everybody has at some stage in their life has some uh, mental health challenge mm. so you know i think it's so important to start thinking of the mind as we do the body yeah and there'll be things that go wrong from time to time that that need a, a bit of help mm. and that it's it's really okay to to you know work through those things i don't know whether um, surfing does actually um cause people to talk more mm-hmm. among themselves i think it is therapeutic um for people who are struggling from mental health uh, issues. Um, I don't know whether that means people talk more. I still think that, you know, guys in the lineup, I'm talking about men at this stage, um, uh, men in the lineup don't tend to discuss their mental health. Mm. Um, It would be pretty cool if they did. Um, I do think that, you know, there's probably the way that society has opened up a bit more um, actually through people like you know, Prince Harry and others you know yeah, yeah. Um, who've got involved in in speaking out on this um, but I still think there's a bit of a kind of um, there's a bit of a bro code in the water where you just kind of keep it about surfing and and Mm. that's not that healthy. No,
1: but I've been amazed at some of the documentaries I've seen like um, Momentum Generation and Kissed by God as well with Andy Irons that really explores, you know, what was going on with his mental health and it obviously, you know, it was his brother and his his wife that were leading the the documentary Mm. and it's like all this, he was like known as the rock star of surfing, wasn't he? And all this, like like you say, the kind of the bro code all the bravado, but then underneath he was really struggling and it was only until after he died that people learned really about that. And it is a shame, but as you say, it's so fiercely competitive that it's probably not that like deemed appropriate to kind of go into it too much. But it definitely—I think
0: is. that the 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 surf um, kind of the surf community is is those type of things are becoming much more acceptable to talk about in the surf community, and that's important because that's the starting point. Whether we talk about—I don't yet think people talk about this thing in the lineup or or mm-hmm. you know on as they're walking up the beach, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but you know I think I definitely think that films like Kissed by God um you know they andy Irons story is tragic mm. and um, and and I think you know I mean I think of my kids watching that film and it's, it's quite moving for them. Mm-hmm. so I do think that we're in a sort of a more exciting time um, but I, th- I think that the surfing definitely helps on the mental health, whether it gets people talking among themselves yeah i'm I'm not sure mm. I'm not saying no but I mean it would be nice to think it goes in that way
1: yeah like what we're seeing you know within the football community even you know I think the royals are getting involved with that as well mm. helping guys in sport while well, showing athletes talking about mental health to inspire others mm. is, a, is a really beneficial way so I'm sure
0: you know there are people in the surfing community that are, I think rather than speaking at the you know, their local breaks, I think they're speaking out on social media. Yeah. Um, you know, people who've, who who are struggling with things, I think that's much more acceptable. I can think of, I mean, you know, uh, Sonny Garcia mm. um, is, you know, he's, he's still in a bad way um, and he'd suffered from mental health and that's become a big sort of, that's opened the issue up in the surfing world. Uh, so I think that in social media, uh, there's, a, there's a lot more of an ability for surfers to share um, about mental health issues so I think yeah I definitely think there is a change and I think it's positive
1: yeah yeah for sure so getting onto to fitness then so like um to, to be in top shape as a surfer like obviously your fitness is super important and I met um Andy Blake who's Cotty's trainer down here and they have a pretty tight uh, friendship um and they train together most days I believe but like yeah in your opinion like how important is fitness to your surfing
0: super important yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean i'm not in the the blakey league of fitness i mean he's like a machine um i i basically surf and then i do a cross train with paddleboarding i paddleboard a lot because that's the i can't stay fit just surfing um but i but paddleboarding really does uh keep me fit um and i'd like to be a bit fitter than i am now actually um but uh you know i do supplement that with gym as well mm-hmm. um it's not so much now during covid but before um so i think the three of those as, as many crossovers as you could have i mean i've heard that guys are really you know um and girls really enjoy uh, pilates as part of a surf workout and there's all sorts of different trainings but my my sort of philosophy is mix it up as much as possible mm-hmm. um because you know the more different types of fitness that you do Uh, the more it helps your surfing. But I do think, and certainly not wishing to cause a flurry of paddleboard activity at Croyd, that's for sure. But I do think paddleboarding is a a secret fitness. Um, That is like, I, I don't know anything that keeps you as fit as paddleboarding. Um, yeah so I, I remember Bert,
1: Bertie tried it out actually recently and it said it got it surprisingly hard because you know you see like the like like these a-listers like you know paddling yeah. down these still waters and make it look so easy but actually if you've got a little bit of a ripple on the on the water it's quite quite a lot of balancing isn't it
0: yeah I mean if you can imagine like standing on those exercise balls I mean yeah, yeah. basically your, your whole session is like that and and so it's just so good for your core so you know if it's flat I paddle you know, uh, Croyd to Putzborough or, or up to Baggy Point if the winds are not cooperating and back again.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, have a bit of fun. And and, and also riding, you can ride these little waves, you know, with a with a sup that you'd never be able to ride um, on a surfboard. So it kind of keeps you surfing as well. So that's my you know, the subs have a bit of a bad reputation, uh, which I, I, I don't really, um, doesn't really bother me. I just love the fact that there's something I can do in the water mm. that's not sort of kind of going to the gym yeah and it has such a such a good payoff uh, but yeah definitely fitness is uh is super important
1: yeah and recovery too like i know cbd is having a bit of a moment at the moment i don't know if you use it yourself but i know quite a lot of athletes are using it for recovery mm-hmm. like do do you have an opinion on that like do you have you tried it i think
0: it's good i don't use it um i don't really take any supplements actually mm. with the exception of um uh curcumin Oh, word? yeah. Oh,
1: like the or, stuff yeah. that's in turmeric, like the turmeric.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah so I, that's the only supplement I use. Um, but I I, I tend to think, you know, for me, I'd, I'd like to try and get everything out of healthy eating. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I know Will uses CBD and, and a lot of people swear by it. And I'm sure it does have, um, have, have really great value. Mm. Uh, I like, you know, I just like to, uh, eat healthy as much as I can and, and, uh, and exercise and get sunlight I think vitamin D is so important yeah yeah So,
1: <laughs> I think it's, you know. it's really like underestimated how important it is in fact like yeah know people are like uh, saying talking about mushrooms being this kind of hero food at the moment because they, they've got so much vitamin D in them yeah that's what, what we're not getting enough of especially living in the UK but, um, yeah. 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 But CBD, it's its funny. I, I never know if it is a kind of placebo effect or if it, it really is working. I've, I've taken it before for like uh, anxiety before public speaking and stuff and it yeah. seemed to quell the nerves. But if I've just taken it randomly just to try it out, it's not really done anything. So I think you need to have a cause to take it and then yeah. it helps for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, thinking about like social media, so do you think it's become increasingly important for these budding surfers like, to have a presence on social? Is it becoming like a, a much more important way for like sponsors to find out who they are?
0: Totally. Yeah. Like everyone can surf now. Yeah. You know, it's not that you're not going to get sponsorship just by being a good surfer. Mm. You've got to create a character. Yeah. You have to have a character, you have to be somebody. And, and the, the classic example of this is, is Jamie O'Brien. Yeah, because um, he he kinda, His character is doing crazy stuff, you know, mm. riding these soft tops, and he's created a character which is fun for the kids to watch. Um, and he's making a lot of money, so I, I think that anyone who's going to be a pro surfer, it's just you just cannot make it these days on just being a pro surfer. I mean, and, and it'll get worse because look at the kids who are like eleven riding sort of Texas wave pool and popping these massive three sixty aerials and you know four rotations the the level of surfing it's not going to be the surfing anymore that um dictates whether you have a career in surfing Mm. it's going to be your character and what you do what's what's the character what's the niche that you carve out so not only must the the young guns think about um how to be on social media they must think about who to be on social media Mm. and what character they want to carve out will's got quite a good opportunity because he's like a you know, he's doing something that no other sort of British surfers, especially of his age, mm-hmm. are doing. He's out there, you know, in Africa a lot of the time, you know, surfing African waves on a total adventure, but also he's giving back and he's, you know, surfing with a crew of ex-street Georgian. So his, his character that he's carving out without even realizing it is super cool. You mm-hmm. know, because at the end of the day, you know, you could, you could have five surfers in the UK that absolutely rip. And they kind of, to me, they all just blur into one.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And then if one of them works with, you know, street kids in, in Africa and, and goes to these crazy places, oh, yeah, man, he's that guy who's always missioning in Africa, man, like mm-hmm. adventuring. And, you know, so I think that, you know, it's all about carving out your, your niche as a character. Yeah. And, you know, surfing, surfing will, you can make a career around surfing if you're, even if you're not competing, mm-hmm. if you have a really interesting character. And so it's looking at how that might work, I think, is is the future.
1: Yeah. But on like a personal level, like how do you feel about your, your kids and social media? Do you ever get worried that it's kind of a bit of a, a slippery slope?
0: I monitor kind of what they're doing just yeah. to make sure that it's safe. But I think, you know, it's all about giving them the education. Uh, of of so that they have an understanding of it themselves because you can't police them all of the time.
1: Yeah.
0: Um I think it's the world that that, that they live in. So right. and it's the same with screens. I don't think that you I, I personally don't stop them going on screens because, you know, that's the world they will go into, they need to understand screens and they need to be able to operate in that world. Yeah. But what I think we have a responsibility as parents to do is to ensure that they're doing outdoor stuff. Um, to counterbalance their screen time,
2: yeah, yeah,
0: um, so that they stay at the top of what they need to know in their era, because it's me be very different from from my era, mm. um, you know. And if I base it on my era, they they won't be successful in their era. If you see what I'm saying, I no, totally. Um, yeah. But if if they're counterbalancing it with you know surfing, mountain biking, skateboarding, mm. whatever it is that's outdoors and and gets them stoked, then I think that you're you're giving them sort of an ability to move forward without kind of losing the plot.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. And so what's the future for Surface Not Street Children? Are you working on any new projects in the pipeline at the moment?
0: Well, we've just launched... um, kind of in the last couple of years we've launched two major new projects mm-hmm. and then we've been one has been forced upon us i'll tell you about that in a second but we um we launched our girls surf 2 program which has been really successful um we've always worked with girls but we felt that we really needed a targeted program yeah. for the for the types of uh things that girls were going through on the streets and, and in the communities that were at risk of street connectedness um, in durban so we our social worker d lei she's set up a fantastic program that really empowers them. Again, using our model of fusing surfing with mentorship and, and care. Mm-hmm. Um, so that program has been really sort of groundbreaking and it's really captured hearts. I mean, we've had uh, Stephanie Gilmore involved when the kids, we took a group of the Girls Surf 2 crew to Jeffrey's Bay for the open there. Wow. And you know, uh, Kelly got involved. And so the, you know they've, they've done some really cool stuff and they're a really tight team. And, and so that's one program that we wanna really push. The other thing, two years ago, we launched in Mozambique, and that's been a really successful program. Um, we've got a, a young guy called Mini Cho, who's Mozambique's top surfer. He also competes on the QS, yeah. and he's just like wise beyond his years, and he runs our program there. And um, we've got a, a really awesome team, um, quite a strong female team there, actually, that, that runs the Mozambique program and uh so that's been really exciting so we definitely want to make sure those two programs are really um supported well then of course you know what what's happened with covid is that we've been forced to basically set up a new program that we weren't planning and that's our emergency response to the the covid period and making sure kids are cared for during lockdown and um and that they have nutritional support and the counseling and you know at times where we haven't been able to do the surfing we are surfing now, but in in small groups and shifts. So really, for the time being, what we've got to do is make sure that that our core, you know, continues and strengthens um, that those two programs that I mentioned, uh, are really able to flourish, and that we get through this COVID time, it does affect us financially as well COVID. So I've got to be quite careful to make sure that we are working really hard to make sure that Um, we're able to offer the same level of service and the kids don't suffer and the staff get paid I mean you know
2: because if
0: they don't get paid in South Africa uh, that puts them in they're coming from quite poor circumstances many of them so uh, Mm -hmm. fortunately we've been able to maintain our level throughout this uh, crisis but when I'm whilst I'm here in the UK um, you know I'm Obviously, meeting with the the, the team daily and, and keeping up with them on WhatsApp, but uh, mm. but I'm really looking at the the longevity of the organisation and its ability to survive. Yeah, the COVID period as well.
1: Absolutely, it's it's a scary time for sure. Um, but do you ever think about taking it even broader, like to places like I don't know, like Bali, Sri Lanka, like other destinations around the world?
0: Yeah, possibly. I mean, we've always uh, we always want to make sure that whatever we're doing is really well supported and, and um, as professional as we want it to be mm. before we go to somewhere else so for a long time we were just urban um, and then we did Mozambique was our second sort of you know, entry into another area Mozambique has gone really well yeah. so we're really happy with that so we would definitely look at um, a third uh, place um, as and when possibly another place in Africa but not, mm. not necessarily um, we're always thinking about places and looking, at, I mean, we look to see when we're looking to do a sort of move into another area. We look at whether there's both need and opportunity because yeah. there's need in many places, but there isn't always opportunity. Mm-hmm. And where we see that magic combo of need and opportunity, we, we really seriously consider. A few years back, I was, uh, I was in uh, Sierra Leone mm-hmm. um, starting to set up Surfers, Not Street Children there. But sadly, while I was there, Ebola broke out. Oh, gosh. Um, so uh, it was actually quite scary. I had to leave the country. And actually, we never went back to to set it up. It was kind of, that kind of killed it for us. Um, but uh, we definitely would consider um, other places in the future. But I think right now, we just got to get through this COVID period and see, you know, uh, and make sure that the, that the core of what we do is strong.
1: Yeah. That's great. It's super inspiring what you're doing. Like it must give you so much kind of joy as well to know that you're that you're spreading so much positivity in what you do. Yeah,
0: for me the biggest stoke with all of this is is seeing kids who literally have been dealt some of the worst cards you can imagine mm. to turn their lives around. Uh, and, and I really mean it when I say that is the reward because um, seeing that really makes it all worthwhile. It's not actually an easy job. It sounds great to work around surfing and be in the water with the kids and stuff it's actually really not easy there are so many challenges but so many kids have come through the program and that really is um that lights all of us up who who work for surfers not street children and uh you'd, you wouldn't be able to really walk away from it after you've seen seen that you
1: know yeah Oh no, keep doing what you're doing it's amazing thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and it's been a real pleasure
0: oh thanks very much for the opportunity
1: uh, i'll speak to you soon
0: yeah take care then yeah See you. Bye. Okay, bye.
1: If you have any questions about today's podcast, please drop us a line at hello at whateveryourdose.com.